Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we are going to talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. Tell in the dark <laughs> today. We're going to talk about the books, the movie, and a little audio. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it occurred to me. So obviously the movie coming out is kind of a big deal. There right. have been advertisements for it all over the place. Mm-hmm. But there's finally a movie being made out of the... Uh, Hit children's horror series Gui- uh, uh, Guide to the Unknown. Yeah, I wish. If only. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Yep. Um, now, this is a series of books that I think a lot of people remember from their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, probably you remember it uh, because of the artwork. Yes. More so than anything else. You may I remember think. a few big stories that came out of them, like The Big Toe. Yep. Heavy Hitters, um, The yeah. Scarecrow, Her- Harold. Harold, yeah. I can't remember what the actual story is called, but Oh, that. it's just called Harold, okay. but yeah, it's about a spooky scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very famous artwork of a big, yes. fat ghost yeah, with a wide this... face. Yeah, how did they make Harold? I feel like that should be a story, because Harold looks like a human who's yeah. been stuffed. Yes, and I agree. And that's not referenced. Like, in the story, they just say they made a scarecrow to look like their neighbor, Harold, who they hated. Well, but, yeah. But, like, how'd they do that? I know. Well, why don't we just Asking. get right into it? So, yes. on this episode of the show, we're going to talk about, uh, let's start with the books themselves. So, I've put together some information about the books, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of background stuff, and then Kristen and I have each picked our five favorite scary stories that appear across the three books in this series. That's right. It's actually Will picked his favorite five stories from the series and I picked my favorite five backstories, the things that kind of influence those stories and have some like tidbits. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a little behind the scenes info. So yeah, there are there are three books in this series. There's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, mm-hmm. which came out in 1981. More stories, more scary stories to tell in the dark, which came out Halloween 1984. And then Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones, in 1991. Yeah, a bit of a jump. Author of the book Alvin Schwartz would pass away a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Stephen Gamble, who did the very, very famous artwork, I think is still alive today. Oh, good. Um, so these books were really controversial when they came out. A lot of people loved them. The art was really, I think, the driving factor that made them stick in a bunch of people's minds. Mm-hmm. But when they came out, they were super controversial, and people constantly wanted to try to pull them from libraries oh, really? and schools and stuff because they dealt with cannibalism. Yeah, I mean, I guess that shouldn't be that surprising. You these know? are messed up books. There are some really messed up stories yeah. in these three books. There's All- a section in the back that I'll talk about a little bit more, but this is one of the reasons I would imagine that they try to get pulled. There were instructions for how to try to contact a ghost for children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest- so that's one of the best things about these books, I think. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, this might be the episode of Guide to the Unknown where the listeners turn on us. I know. Because I don't think you and I are going to end up having very many positive things to say. There's a chance that we might be somewhat negative mm-hmm. about Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is one of the most beloved I know. horror releases of all time. I know. And us saying something negative at all is We're quite frankly brave, and tr- I think we should be applauded for the attempt. <laughs> you know are brave. Yeah. Thank you. I'm pointing to the stands. Yeah. Saying we're going to hit a home run. You know and I'm what? just ducking from like cabbages being thrown at me yeah, and stuff. Exactly. Squashy tomatoes. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I think one of the best things about these stories, and it's something that I did not remember at all. First of all, I, as a kid, distinctly remember whenever I'd go into the library mm-hmm. at school, I would make a beeline yeah. to where these books were. 
I must have read these books as a kid, uh, cover to cover, I don't know, a dozen times oh, each. Wow. I was obsessed with them. But again, in retrospect, I think most of it was about the artwork. Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe the artwork be. in a way that will be conveyed over a podcast. Uh, if you're familiar with it, you already know. If you're it's not familiar iconic. with this artwork, look it up. Yeah, and you might find, be like, oh, that is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I would imagine. The artwork by Stephen Gamble is all, all charcoal. So it's all black and white and grayscale. To me, I think the thing that sets it apart as a really unique art style is that everything seems to be really stringy mm -hmm. and dripping. Stringy is a very good way to put it. Yeah, there are always these additional thin lines flowing yes. off of the things that he draws. And sometimes things feel a little unfinished. Like there aren't necessarily like hard barriers or borders or anything. Yeah, that's true. They, mm -hmm. they almost like fade they bleed into, into the existence. Page. In a way that I think is conducive to letting your imagination yes. fill in gaps. It's honestly perfect for the idea of scary stories to tell in the dark. I think that thematically it doesn't really match the stories and what's going no. on. But for the idea of a scary book, perfect, perfect, perfect. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, uh, but what I was saying about like the way that they're written, Alvin Schwartz, who put them together, he had written numerous books. It seems like he, in addition to being a writer and interested in scary stuff, he was a folklorist. Mm -hmm. He was compiling new incarnations of ancient stories in these books. There are right. a couple that he cites and at the end of these stories as having been told for thousands of years mm -hmm. and i didn't know that was an aspect of this at all i was I really either more fascinated than reading the individual stories themselves was when i got to the end and started to read some of the backstory of like because he'll go story yeah. by story and go here's where i heard it here's what's different in my telling from the traditional telling here's some of the evidence that suggests that it was told in ancient rome totally which is so cool actually part so my part of the research is all that back section yeah i have like nothing to do with like the actual stories okay and cool. i cover one of those like ancient romey things it's crazy i love it yeah. i love it and it it Dig digging into like the history of horror, I think elevates these stories mm -hmm. to be more important than I think the enjoyment out of just reading them as individual tales. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed that research, going and finding the inspiration. Yeah, a hundred percent. That that was some of the most fun in this for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna get into my top five stories. Yeah, these are across all three books, um, but. Uh, we already started talking about Harold the Scarecrow, so I'm just going to uh, uh, start Dive there. Right in. Why not? I don't have yeah. these in order of like what's the best, whatever. These are just the five that mm -hmm. really stood out to me as particularly interesting. Cool. So Harold is a scarecrow. He's also one of the most iconic pieces of artwork done by Stephen Gamble. Definitely. Uh, you might even be able to picture his face as you know, having like a little snub nose. Yeah, it's got like a little smudgy face. Yeah, his face is really uh, expressive and articulated. Yeah. Even though it's a still image in the book. Mm -hmm. His legs are splayed out side to side way too wide. Right, like he's midway down in a split. Yeah, and he looks all like fat and bloated. Mm -hmm. He In the artwork, he, he looks... Almost like he's like the corpse of somebody who's been drowned. Yes. To me. Like, yeah. I don't know why a scarecrow. He looks waterlogged. Yeah. And it should be the opposite because straw is very dry. Exactly. Very dry. Exactly. And even in like Wizard of Oz, the scarecrow was like, you know, the string bean of them. Right. He was the tall, skinny one. Right. So to see straws like. Straws are skinny. A bloated, fat scarecrow is really weird looking. I wonder if that's an intentional kind of thing. Maybe. Like scarecrows are usually all skinny and Harold might be freakier without even realizing it because there's just this 
there's just this cognitive dissonance yeah. knowing that this isn't right. Scarecrows yeah. aren't big. Something and is like wrong bulbous. here. Yeah. Uh, now, I when I saw this, this is in the third book, Scary Stories 3, Harold. Mm-hmm. I went into reading this story kind of skeptical. I mm-hmm. kind of had my arms folded. And uh, I walked away. Uh, <laughs> changed. Being really imp- I was a changed yeah. man from that point on. Yeah. So um, at its basic concept, two farmers build a scarecrow in the likeness of a guy that they hate. Uh, so it's an effigy. Mm-hmm. They insult Harold. They beat him. They slam him around. You know, whatever. Yeah. Over time, Harold starts to grunt in response. Right. That's the height that it reaches for a while. They're beating him and stuff. And then he just goes. <laughs> and the two farmers are like completely taken aback. Like, what? what? This is impossible. What the hell's happening? Yeah. But eventually, you know, they convince themselves they must be hearing things. Mm-hmm. They, they thought to- there could be maybe an animal in there that's moving or something like that. Which that even alone is yes, really gross and course. weird. Of course. Why does that settle you? No. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's probably just a mouse or some bugs in there. Yeah. Oh, that thing you've been beating? Right. And that you take into your house every night to keep it out of the elements? Oh, God. You know? It, wait, was it in their actual house? Maybe I not feel the like, house. Okay, like I think barn. it's just like the barn. But like yeah. they put them out during the day and take them in at night. Right. A lot oh, of care for something that they're just working out their male rage on. Yes. But I guess it's like very precious to be able to work out their male rage. I guess so. I don't know. It's a real psychotic behavior, <laughs> yes. I think, to... Definitely. I'm going to pummel this scarecrow. Yes. And by the way, it, it doesn't seem to make to an them underlying feel any issue. better. No. no. They don't improve. No. Uh, then one day, they keep beating them. For a while, they convince themselves they have to be nicer. Mm-hmm. But eventually, they always come back to insulting him and, and beating him. Then one day, he gets up and walks out the door. Yeah. Which also freaks them out. He's dancing on the roof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows what the hell's going on. Um, one day, one of the farmers comes home late. Harold's been there alone with his buddy the whole day. Uh, From afar, he can see Harold up on the roof again, stretching a bloody skin out to dry in the sun. Yep. The end. I know. I will give this book, which, like I said, I don't love. I will give it that it sometimes has some very weird, understated endings Mm -hmm. that don't end like with a big crash. They're just kind of subtly like, which I like. Yeah. I think a lot of the ones that end up making my personal top five do have endings that you might consider flat. Right. I think the absence of an answer, the absence of a crescendo actually continues this uh, intensity and this ick factor yes. in them. And Harold is certainly one of them. Yes, totally. It just ends with him stretching out a bloodied skin right. on the roof. So he skinned the farmer? Right. We missed the big scary part. We're yeah. seeing the aftermath, Ooh, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they could have easily had it been like Harold came at him with a pitchfork. Aye! Right. <laughs> Most of the stories seem to end quietly. With, ah! <laughs> Well, yeah, because another thing that's interesting is that these books, they're called scary stories to tell in the dark because like tell in the dark or tell is very much a verb. Like some of these are instructing you how to tell them to your friends because it's for little kids. So it'll be like turn to your friend and say booga, booga, booga or whatever. To the point that I was genuinely concerned when I started reading them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the most famous stories in here, The Big Toe, is about a family that eats a toe they find. Right. And then a ghost is going, where's my toe? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. 
what a page turner. Yeah. Well, there's two pages, but, <laughs> you know, I turn the page and then it, where's my toe? And where an ending should be, it, there's parentheses and it says, now jump on your friend and say, <laughs> you have it. Right. Like, well, that's not an ending. Yeah. I didn't know this was a set of instructions. No, I didn't know that at all. To tell you the truth. I was aware of these books. Maybe I just don't remember. These were not a big deal in my childhood, like, whatsoever. Really? No. Like, I knew that they existed. I thought the artwork was cool. I don't know that I had read them in their entirety. Maybe I did, but it was not a big deal to me. I don't remember. Oh, man. Yeah. Huge deal to me as a kid. I'm surprised mm-hmm. to hear that. I know. Reading yeah. Elementary Public Library. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I got a ton of, uh, you know, Christopher Pike books from there, but... I wasn't hitting up scary stories to tell in the dark, really. Christopher Pike books? What a nerd. <laughs> I have no idea what those are. They're like um, goosebumps for slightly older kids. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, they're sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Here's another story. It's called Maybe You Will Remember. Now, I I, I kind of thought this story stunk okay. on the page. I don't remember it by the name. It was only with the supplemental information at the end of the book. That's also a weird feature. That I enjoyed it. That, it's strange that they do that. Yes. So some of the stories in the book will end like, you know, it's a, a bunch of short stories and it'll say it'll have kind of a middle part sort mm-hmm. of feel. And then it'll say, go to page 120 to learn the ending. I don't understand why. I don't know. I, it's Except almost as for if- that maybe they had like a page limit that they wanted stories to have or something and it made it too long. I just don't see any benefit. I don't get it. Maybe there was an editor involved that felt like some of the information would be too heavy for a kid. These are children's books, you know? It's still in the book. Just, you know, what, 20 pages back? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't get it. There's a reason, obviously, but I thought that was so weird. It is weird. So uh, this story, maybe you will remember, it's also from Scary Stories 3. Mm -hmm. A woman and her mother are traveling when the mother falls ill. They check into a hotel and get a doctor. The doctor gives the daughter a set of instructions for a medication he needs. Go get it. It's on the opposite side of town. This essentially kicks off a series of misadventures, uh, poor fortune. Yeah. The daughter has to travel way too far to get the medicine. When she's on her way back, the taxi takes her the wrong way. Somebody blocks her way into the hotel. Whatever. Finally, she finally gets back. She's paranoid. I've been gone for way too long. They needed this medicine. I know how important it was. And when she gets to the hotel, they go, "Who? I'm sorry, who are you? Yeah. She goes, it's me. I was here like two hours ago. I checked in with my mother. She's really sick. We're in room 505. We don't remember you, ma'am. What are you talking about? The sick woman. I, she's in room 505. Just let me in. We have no idea who you are, ma'am. Just let me in. She begs enough. They finally take her to room 505 where she left her mother on the, you know, full-size yeah. bed, opens the door. What? What? Where is she? There's nothing mm-hmm. in the room that matches what it was two hours ago. Right. Two hours ago, there was a full-size bed with her sick mother on it, uh, a doctor in the room. Now there are two twin-size beds in there. The furniture is different colors. What is going on? How could this be? The staff says to her, she's all distraught. She's so confused. Now she's d- doubting her own sanity. They say to her, listen, I'm sorry that you appear to be having such a tough time. We don't know who you are. We never saw your mother there is no one here matching that description, but feel free to stay here for a little bit, sit on the bed, relax, gather your thoughts. Maybe then you will remember. Mm-hmm. End of story. Right. You have to jump to the end when Alvin Schwartz starts explaining the the sort of uh, uh, social uh, uh, genesis of this tale. Yeah. Extraneous information to explain what was going on. This is a story about... 
that that's been told countless times that he just adapted for children. Mm-hmm. The mother had the plague. Yeah, she had the plague, and when the doctor came in in the first place and gave the daughter instructions of medicine to get all the way across town, mm-hmm. what he was doing was hatching a scheme to get her out of his hair. Yep, because he knew. The mother had the plague, was about to die mm-hmm. any second now. And if it it came out publicly that somebody in town had contracted the plague, there would be anarchy. Yeah, total there would panic. Be total panic. So they're essentially sacrificing the daughter's sanity right. to protect the greater good. And the whole hotel plays along with it. Yes, they've been threatened. You'll lose your job if you don't play along. If you give away at all mm-hmm. that we're covering up this death, you're out on the street. Right. And so while the daughter has gone away, the mother dies almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And they get to work breaking down the room, repainting it, pulling in new furniture. I think they say they had to set the bed on fire oh that God. the mother died on. Yeah. Stuff like that. And the daughter can never know. Yeah. And that information, tucked away at the end of the book, rocketed this story yes to my top five i find that to be really frightening yes because i think we're all at least familiar on you know obviously admittedly small scale that feeling of am i crazy yeah like why is everybody acting like this thing i know to be true isn't true i don't understand yeah I, I can't wrap my head around it, but yeah. I must be wrong. Mm-hmm. You convince yourself. And that is what this woman will do for the rest of her life, not knowing what happened to her mother. Yeah, totally. From her perspective, she either you know was out of her mind. Yes. Or, yeah, how does she go on? Or her mother has disappeared and everyone's lying to her. Right. What feels more likely in the moment? Did you notice that the daughter's name in that was Rosemary and she's being gaslit kind of like rosemary uh whatever her last name is in rosemary's baby oh that's interesting mm-hmm. that's very interesting i, know. I, I had not Could noticed be a coincidence that. but maybe it was a tiny bit of an homage on yeah, alvin yeah. schwartz's part maybe huh. yeah maybe woodhouse that's, that's rosemary cool. woodhouse yeah sure yeah mm-hmm. um all right also from scary stories three this is hello kate mm-hmm. my next one a guy is walking to the big dance and he sees kate love a dance love a dance he's about to say hello when suddenly he remembers she died a year ago. He didn't remember that the second he saw her. He remembered that when he was about second to... Second later. Eh. I could see that. Kate? Yeah. I could see that. If it's, if it's a casual acquaintance and you're just kind of like, oh, that person. Like, uh, uh. So he tries to pull it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tries to cover it up. Uh, and he starts to like walk away, but she sees him. Mm-hmm. And she starts walking after him. He's aware that she's following him, so he tries to walk faster. He tries to go roundabout ways. She stays, you know, step by step right behind him. Um, finally, he gets to the dance. She was right there. Uh, he cannot lose her, so he turns. Now they're face to face. He's too scared to speak. She stares deep into his eyes and disappears. Yeah. The end. It's awesome. It's just so simple. It's so simple. And every day. You know what I mean? There's like nothing bombastic about that, really. I mean, it's scary, but it's not like, and then boom. Sure. And there are a lot of classic ghost stories in these books of like, Mm -hmm. you're the one who killed me or something like that. That's not even implied in this at all. This dude is just trying to go to the dance. And he befalls an unfortunate fate. Yes. And he just gets creeped out, basically. (sighs) Right? That's underselling it. Well, no, but like nothing happens to him. 
I mean, this is a significant thing to happen to you. But he's not injured. You know what I mean? It's just like he experiences something scary that just dissipates. He won't forget this for the rest of his damn days. He certainly won't. But no big thing like befalls him. Sure. You know, like a classic ghost story. Yeah, that's 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 true. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's something also in this. I think the idea of being unable to escape. Yeah. This. this, Yeah. He keeps trying to walk away. There's a lot of there's a lot of dreamlike logic to this. Um, that I really relate to. One, the sort of classic dream of like, no matter how fast you run from the mm-hmm. killer, you can't get away, or it feels like you're running in quicksand. Yeah. That, what a miserable feeling. Yes, and I, I think hate this that. evokes that pretty plainly. Mm-hmm. The other, and this is kind of, is kind of grim and, and maybe a bummer for people, but I have this dream somewhat frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen and I had a couple of family members pass away three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I still pretty frequently, We'll have a dream where I see dad. Yeah. And we will be talking for a while before I go, wait a minute, you died. Yeah. Like it takes my mind a minute to catch up to the impossibility that's happening in the dream. Mm-hmm. And I really. So you can relate to this guy. I can relate to this guy. I mean, as it's presented, he's yeah. it's supposed to be in real life. So for him to be like, ah, Kate, what's up? Yeah. Weird. But like when I think about it in terms of that, like that, that ever evolving hard to pin down dream logic Mm -hmm. i completely get yes uh you know there's a knock at the door and somebody who's been long dead is there hey wait a minute you're not supposed to be here right it takes you a second yeah because you have such like familiarity with them depending on the person that you would automatically be like oh hi and it takes a second to pull it back and like have reality meet up with that familiarity totally totally now in in my case like the dreams that i have it's Mm -hmm. close relatives yeah in this story, Kate may have just been some yeah, rando. rando. Yeah. And that's even spookier to totally. me. Totally. <laughs> to be- yeah, like, why are you following me then? Exactly. Get away what's from What's with me. this attachment? Yeah, what's up with her that yes. she just, like, zeroes in and she's like, oh, you, then you, you, I, I wonder, see you. could it be that people don't usually see her? So she's like, he sees me? Like, Maybe. I got to follow this guy. What's with this? Yeah, exactly. He was so about lonely. to talk to me. Yeah. Oh, and looking deep into his eyes and yes. then just fading away. Right. Searching. Oh. Oh. All right. The Haunted House. My note here it says, holy guacamole, this story is great. Cool. Now, to start, the art by Stephen Gamble associated with this story is very, 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 very famous. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most famous pieces of art out of this uh, series of books. Gaunt dead woman yes with uh uh two hollow bony eye sockets in her face the image of this ghost was adapted mm-hmm. in the movie and is all over the trailers and everything yep. right now uh they took the this image and made it part of the big toe mm-hmm. story within the movie but this is the haunted house yeah who it's about a priest who wants to cleanse a haunted house mm-hmm. he goes and sits up reading the bible sits up all night He hears pacing in the basement and eventually steps coming up the stairs from the basement. The door opens, but nothing is there. And he asks what the haunt wants. The haunt. What a wonderful term for a ghost. Absolutely. I love that. In this entire story, the ghost in this story is referred to as the haunt. Mm -hmm. There was a haunt in that house. Noun. The door closes. Keep calling out. I was like, tell is a verb. Haunt is a noun. I don't know what's happening to me. Adjective. (laughs) Pronoun. (laughs) The door closes when he goes, what do you want? Slam. Um, It comes back up the stairs 
again. It just starts over almost mm-hmm. like a, it's on a loop. Mm-hmm. And a this time, haunting, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, replaying keep, a moment. Yep. This time the door uh, comes open and the haunt comes right at him. It grabs him by the jacket and explains. She was murdered 10 years ago and was buried in the basement. She asks the priest to give her a proper burial. She also says to take one of the joints from her fingers and put it in the collection plate on Sunday to find out who killed her. If he does this, she'll tell him where he hid her money. Mm -hmm. He does as he's told. He reburies her body. And on Sunday, he takes a joint from her finger and puts it in the collection plate. It's a bold move. Passing it around to get all the donations. At one point, the plate is handed to a man who uh, goes to put in some money and the finger yeah. joint latches out and attaches itself to his hand, sending him screaming. We know who killed the woman. Yep. The priest goes back to the house and the haunt reveals where her money is to give to the church. The priest's jacket is permanently burned from where the haunt had grabbed him. Very good. So good. Yeah. A lot of horror... Um, iconic stuff going on here mm-hmm. the, the whole idea of like needing to have the burial on consecrated yes. ground is very classical ghost storytelling i think in multiple episodes of this very show we have talked about uh like pliny the younger mm-hmm. um where there was a story the original <laughs> yeah like, ghost story where you know somebody was buried incorrectly right i need to be buried properly in order to move on so again like I, i'm i'm really the thing that i'm enjoying most about this so far mm-hmm. is being able to track the legacy of horror stories yeah. and and also should have mentioned this there's like a forward mm-hmm. in each one of the books where alvin schwartz will um uh sort of decode a term yeah used in scary stories and uh talk about you know uh, uh parties that people would have where you know they would blow out the candle mm-hmm. and then everyone would sit around telling a scary story to see who could scare the rest the best and it like just harkens to a time where you're like yeah Telling scary stories, literally scary stories to tell in the dark. The act of sharing scary stories with your friends is something that stretches back yeah. hundreds, thousands. Absolutely. It's years. like a hallowed activity. Yeah. William, do you remember, is there any chance you were telling a story from scary stories to tell in the dark when you blew on that candle when you were a little kid and blew all that wax in your face? Oh, it's incredibly possible. Because, I mean, you can gather from what I just said, but just to explain, Will one time was telling our family a scary story over a candle when we were kids. I had to have been seven. Yeah. And then to emphasize, you know, the ending of it. That's right. Drama. He he blew the candle and blew it too hard and all the wax flew back in his face. He was like, ah, ah. I ran to the bathroom screaming and was absolutely convinced that I had just scarred my face like Two-Face. Yeah, turned yourself into Two-Face. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. My origin story. (laughs) Had begun. Yes, that I had told a scary story and blew hot wax on my face. (laughs) I wonder if it was Forever changed. It easily could have been. It totally could have been. I loved these books. I remember going to the library, making a beeline for where these books were in the stacks and they weren't there Mm -hmm. and being pissed pissed as you should be yeah those are your books all right my final my final story of my top five Mm -hmm. and we'll move on the white wolf okay Uh, Uh. takes place in olden days bill williams is a wolf hunter there are too many wolves wait william williams yeah bill unless they unless they just named him bill which could be willie billiams yeah beautiful name uh uh there are too many wolves killing livestock people pay him to take out the wolves. He's a wolf hitman. Yeah. By the way, 
Lots of dogs die in these books. Lots. Yes, yes. Yeah. Finally, he retires a wealthy man. All, All that, that wolf blood money. Good lucrative yeah. wolf murder. Yeah, like Bill Billiams. <laughs> but he vows never to harm another wolf for the rest of his days until he has begged to track down the white wolf, which appears to be impervious to bullets. Ah. Bill Williams ties a sheep to a tree as bait and waits. When Bill Williams does not return home, people go looking for him. The sheep is still there, still tied to the tree. Weathered but alive. <laughs> Bill, though, his throat had been torn out, and there are no tracks around him at all. Mm. The thing I like about this story, mm -hmm. it's a structural note, which is maybe not the most enticing thing to end on. <laughs> That's okay. But the white wolf, presumably, uh, uh, has been uh, trying to get revenge, mm -hmm. right? There's something different about the white wolf from the regular wolves. Yeah. We wouldn't know what the hell this wolf was doing. It would be too uh, loose and unsatisfying for the wolf to just kill Bill Williams. Right. By having Bill Williams set a trap for the white wolf, mm -hmm. we know that there is a thematic parallel happening in how the white wolf gets him. Mm -hmm. The white wolf has been killing livestock to bring Bill Williams out of retirement. It's been laying a trap for him to come out. I gotta so tell you, I didn't get him. this story. Yeah, that's 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 my interpretation. <laughs> I think you're anyway. right. That's exactly that's yeah. all I thought that it was. No, I think I think you're I think you're totally right. And I like this idea yeah. of this insanely smart yes. uh, predator Cunning. animal yeah. that knows how to lure you out of hiding. Yeah. Bill Williams said he'll never harm another wolf, huh? He's out of the game. Well, well, let's bring, bring him, him out of in. retirement. Yeah. And that's why it left the sheep there. It yeah. only wanted Bill. Yeah. Wait. Real quick. Do we know where was Bill when the white wolf got him? Exactly. Do we know that? Uh, he was Did presumably I zone, like zone out like he was kind of he was kind of by the sheep. Well, yeah, if you're and then lay the a white trap. wolf like snuck up behind him basically. Presumably. Yeah. You're not going to tie a sheep to a tree as bait and then <laughs> go into yonder town. I guess that's true. I guess I I did I hadn't been thinking enough of the procedure right. for all this sort of stuff. So I was just like, oh, okay, the white wolf got Bill somehow. But you're right. It was <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it <laughs> yeah. was it was uh set up that they were they were equal uh-huh. They were equal um uh, uh foes. Yes. Like the Batman and Joker. Like Batman and the Joker, yeah. yeah. The White Wolf is the Bill Williamson of the wolf world. Mm, ah, he's a tracker of yeah. trackers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that is sweet. He's a tracker trapper. He is a tracker trapper. Mm -hmm. The way that Bill is a William of Williams, he's a tracker of trackers. That's exactly right. That's, that's exactly right. That's what I said, isn't it? The White Wolf, Will Williams. <gasps> www. Oh, my God. GTTUPOT.com. That's right. Go I there. I don't know Truly. if four W's will work. See why not? Truly mirror images of each other. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now let's launch into some backstory stuff. So I have five points of backstory. Three of them are backstories of stories, but the first two are kind of general sorts of things. Cool. So first of all, did so did you read the entirety of that back section? Which I'll explain just in case. I think we kind of touched on it, but there are the main scary stories, and then there are two back sections. There's a section called notes. Yeah. And there's a section called sources. So the notes are kind of extra info on, if not, I don't know if it's all of the stories, definitely a bunch of them. It could be all of them. And then sources is a little bit more specific. 
I find it a little confusing. They're very close to each other because yeah. even the notes section does have like look up Gregory's yes. or whatever, which is kind of a source. It's a little bit confusing, but whatever. This is this is where I think it's clear that he is somebody that um Alvin Schwartz mm-hmm. is somebody that really respects yes, the source definitely. material to him. It, of course, they must be two sections. Right. I got the information from two different kinds of places. Right. So there's an, an analytical mind mm-hmm. in him that I think overthinks it a little bit. Yeah, because the notes still have sources in them. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a little redundant, but it's whatever. And but they it's certainly are, comprehensive. Yes, it is comprehensive and very interesting. And something comprehensive but not clear, I would say. Something that kept coming up in the notes section would be these random letters and numbers. It would just say like C Boggs, J-A-F 47 colon 296. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And then finally, after a bunch of those, like, you know, in articles and things that reference a new piece of information, sometimes they'll just explain what it is the first time. Yeah. And, and then, then summarize or and just abbreviate use it later on. Yeah, yeah. It's never explained in the beginning. Hmm. Somewhere in the middle, he finally says that it's using the folklorist system or something like that. So I was like, okay, so what the hell is the folklorist system? It turns out that it's like a catalog system. So he calls it, I'm sorry, the way he finally references it, he says that it's um, their folklorist tale types. And I was like, okay, that's what those numbers are. What's the deal? So I looked it up and there's a system called the Arne Thompson Uther Index, which is known among folklorists as the ATU index that files folklore into categories and types, kind of like the Dewey Decimal System. Okay. So it's very complicated, um, but you can be like, oh, okay, a vampire story that also has a zombie in it. That would be filed under JAC 49 colon 296 or whatever like it's very intersectiony but very precise and interesting for people who folklore is very much their jam like alvin schwartz i'm sure like professors or people who study it i guess it's very useful this feels like a very hannibal lecter code remember when (laughs) he was talking to the tooth fairy and they would reference (laughs) books together yes yeah exactly you can just they're shorthand with numbers that they're like oh yes of course that one yeah use the the folklorist dewey system or right <laughs> it's intense so it's called that because it was created by this guy whose last name is arnie in 1910 then expanded and revised in 1928 and again in 1961 by thompson and then again by uther in 2004 so that's why it's the atu system and it seems very complicated i couldn't even get into figuring out how it works sure, sure. but also very cool it's interesting to know that it that exists yeah it'd be cool to speak that that hidden language it really is like a hidden language i thought yeah. it was kind of awesome i'd never heard of it before in all the time that we've been like looking up this kind of stuff which often involves folklore totally i never shorthand, come across it shorthand for the underground realm of folklore yes completely i bet there are people who could look at those like coordinates and be like oh, okay so that must mean this match with that oh, okay so it's that kind of story yeah, yeah. which is awesome That's cool um, something I would like to read from, from okay. the book that I referenced before. I said that I could understand why people were trying to get the stories or the books pulled from libraries because of their content. Oh, because of how like grisly they could be at times. Yes. So it's in the notes section. This is not in the fun, scary stories section, which I think makes it feel a little bit more real world and instructional to children in a way that I think is odd. Okay. I think it's still supposed to, supposed to be playful, but in the notes and resources or references section, it takes on a gravitas because this is the section that's like, Here's the story behind the silly stories. And this is what he says. So he's explaining some stuff about ghosts. And Alvin Schwartz says, 
If you wish to see or hear a ghost, these are some recommended approaches. Look back over your left shoulder. Look through either one of a mule's ears. Look in a mirror with another person. Arrange six pure white dinner plates around a table, then go to a cemetery at noon and call the name of someone you once knew who is buried there. If you, are in- if you encounter a ghost, it is advised that you speak to it. If you do so, you may be able to help it finish whatever it is doing and return it to its grave. Some say it is most effective if you address a ghost this way. In the name of God, or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, what do you want? They also say that holding a Bible will protect you against a revengeful ghost and demonstrate your sincerity. However, most ghosts are not regarded as dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not presented as like, here's what people say. It's presented as like, if you want to. Yes, it's like, here's what you can do. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that that was really weird. I want to look in a mule's ears. Me too. Look in a mule's ears. We're going to do some of that someday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now, here are the backstories to a couple of stories. And luckily, they're not things that you've referenced. Okay. So, well, luckily or not, it would still be cool to hear the backstory. Sure. But still, it's a little fresh material. So I'm going to summarize each of the stories and then give you a little bit of the behind-the-scenes scoop. So this is a story from the first book called The Thing. And The Thing is about – I'm just going to read verbatim what I wrote. It's about a skeletal creature that crawls out of a turnip field and chases two young friends who are just setting on a fence having a chat. <laughs> It chases them to one of the friends' houses, uh, one of the friends' house, and stands in the driveway while they run inside. A year later, the friend whose house it was gets sick and dies, and the other friend sees that he looks just like that skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that story is based on a co- the combination of the concepts of forerunners, which I'd never heard of before, and wraiths. So I had heard of the term wraith, and I could kind of picture some sort of demonic-y looking creature. I kind of picture wraiths looking a little bit like Dementors and a little bit like the Ghost of Christmas future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little Grim Reaper-ish. Yeah, like a, a hooded kind of skinny figure. And the deal with wraiths, I didn't know. There, there are a few different de- definitions, but the one that fits into this particular story is that a wraith is a ghost that appears to someone shortly before their death that resembles them. Oh, I love that. I do, too. Um, so some of the different definitions are that they're said to be creatures who are created when something goes wrong during spell casting, often when a witch or wizard was trying to expand their life or mess with time in some way. So uh, in a way, they get it. Like, in a way, their life is extended because it creates this wraith, which is kind of an extension of them. So it's almost like a horcrux that has more personification and be kind of evil and stuff. Okay. And they are soulless. It's like a double that's soulless and seeks to destroy the souls of others um and it's so it's wraith is a scottish word for ghost and it's just kind of like the blanket definition of it across those kind of categories that it's a grotesque version of a human ghost which is awesome that's really weird yeah um so the idea of forerunners which i'd never heard of before are um that they usually so he kind of like put a spin on the idea of a forerunner in that forerunners are like portends of death that aren't personified and they're usually heard and not seen the way that they saw that skeleton, which ended up being an indicator that death was coming. A forerunner is an indication that death is coming, but it's an auditory one that isn't in human form. So they come in the sounds often of knocks on a door or the striking of a clock. So they're not a person, they're an event 
or a creature That's during weird. an event. Yeah. Um, there's a superstition that kind of rang a bell to me, um, vaguely that hearing three knocks that have no source is often closely followed by the news of a death, either in three days, three weeks, or three months, hmm. which is pointed out gives a lot of room and leeway for coincidence. Yeah, so yeah. if you hear those three knocks, and then there are a lot of lengths of time in which a death could happen that you could attribute to those knocks. That's because we heard those knocks 89 days ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yes, of course, or whatever. According to The Conjuring, mm-hmm. the movie... Those things happen in threes to mock the Holy Trinity. Yes. Yeah. Three is often a thing in scary stuff because of that. It's a perversion of the Holy Trinity. I couldn't find anything about the clock striking thing that he wrote about in the note section, but I included it because it was cool. Sure. I like the idea of it. I tried Googling it like a number of different ways and just nothing came up about like the bing bongs of a clock creating death. Yeah. The bing bong creating a ding dong death. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, so another story that I'm going to cover from the first book is called The White Satin Evening Gown. A woman buys a dress from a pawn shop to go to a formal dance, and throughout the night, she feels dizzy and sick and assumes she was dancing too hard. She dies, and it turns out she was poisoned by embalming fluid on the dress. The pawn shop had bought the dress from someone who worked at a funeral home and had stolen it right off a corpse before it was buried. I, I really like that one. Yeah, it's yeah. a good story. And apparently, it's kind of a common theme. There are a few stories in history that use that kind of basic uh basic structure of like a poison garment. So there are two stories in Greek mythology about being poisoned. One was that an enemy of Hercules told Hercules' wife that if she put his blood, you know, I wish I had written this down now. I'm just doing this from memory. I wasn't going to talk about this specifically, but I thought it was cool. I think he said that if he put, if she put this guy's blood on Hercules' robes, that he would always be faithful and then end up killing him instead. So I think he was like pretending to be a friend, but he was a bad guy. Pranked. <laughs> yeah. He really got Hercules. Um, and another story from Greek mythology. But there's also an Indian record that's cited um, here and there from, from a legit like a doctor, an MD, in 1870, saying that someone was killed by a poison garment. So the deal is, it seems like it is possible, but with caveats. Not all poisons are absorbed through the pores. Um, so you would need somebody who has a major allergic reaction to that particular thing okay. that you are coating the garment in. And embalming fluid is likely not it. And or the story like is not true on a technicality. Like you could put something all over a garment and it could kill somebody, but it's kind of more likely for it to be inhalation. Right. Than it going through their pores. Yeah, yeah. And in that case, they would probably sense that there's something on the yeah, garment. Yeah, they're breathing gross yeah. goo that's all over their clothes. Yeah, so it's just it's just not super likely, sure. but it technically could happen. I mean, people die from, like, touching peanut butter. You know what I mean? So, don't they? I think they do. I think people have, like, extreme peanut allergies. I thought you were going to say, you started to say, I, people have, like, ex, and I was going to be like, exploded from <laughs> touching peanut butter. <laughs> exploded! <laughs> And there's smuckers everywhere. I think you could really do somebody in by putting a schmear of PB goobers on the inside of a dress. PB goo bye. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. Toast bucko. Ooh, put that on toast bucko. (laughs) (laughs) Put that on toast bucko. (laughs) Not really any punctuation there. (laughs) Ooh, put that on toast bucko. (laughs) Working bucko in as the end of the sentence without a comma there. How you doing bucko? <laughs> I want to keep the same cadence up. <laughs> yeah. Put that on toast, Bucko. Put that on toast, Bucko. 
<laughs> so this tale, because I guess the dress tale, yeah. is kind of legendary folklore. And it was dramatized on CSI New York in the episode Till Death Do We Part when a bride drops dead at her wedding with no visible injuries or anything. Oh, my. And the cause is the exact same thing. There was a guy who was working at a funeral parlor, was taking the clothes off the bodies before they were buried and selling them to a shop where people were then buying them and dying from the formaldehyde and embalming fluid. That's bonkos. Yes. Don't a lot of those shows consult like actual medical experts? Yes. So I, I, mean, I wonder if there's something else in that story where it's like, here's the, here's, uh, you know, we've concocted a plausible reason why this would result in your death. Or does maybe, it as- asphyxiate you in some way? Maybe. I, I didn't know. watch the whole episode. I watched the end of it. Oh, really? If you Google it, you can find it. How was Lieutenant Dan? Lieutenant Dan has a great ending line. So let me let me tell you a little bit. Oh, I can't wait. So it, it's it's very it's very short. But um so the deal is that this guy is selling these clothes to places and they track him down and they're like, Tell us, is there anything else out there? Do you have any other clothes out there? Like who else is gonna die? <laughs> I actually didn't see that part of it. I'm imagining that. Um I sold so- pants to you, you. They forgot they bought yeah. pants. <laughs> <laughs> get them off me. Get them off me. <laughs> Gary Sinise fighting to get out of a yeah. pair of too tight jeans. Yeah, get them off me. I think that guy's strong. You get them off one, two, three. Rip them off. Yeah, they wouldn't Rip even be breakaway pants and he would just break them off. <laughs> They don't need to be breakaway pants for Gary Sinise. A famous legend about Gary Sinise is that he's both so rich and so strong. Mm-hmm. At the end of a day, he just rips his clothes off and buys new ones for the next morrow. <laughs> Who needs to reuse clothes? That's that's a sort legend they tell at Hollywood parties. They go, I yeah. hear he's so rich and so strong. <laughs> Gary Sinise, I mean. But he donates the ripped off pants to veterans. Because he's very good to veterans. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. He has somebody stitch them back up and donate them. Because that's the other Gary Sinise Hollywood legend. Rip. You don't see him a whole lot because he's doing these. stuff with veterans. He's very nice. Well, that's wonderful. I know. Um, so, yeah. So, the guy's like, yeah, there's one more suit out there. Yeah. So, they're able to, like, track it down how, you know, however. And then Gary Sinise busts into a wedding, goes right up the aisle. <laughs> tackles. Tackles the groom. I was actually disappointed. It was more understated than I was looking for. For. Yeah. But he goes up to the groom and he's like, we need to get you out of this suit to save your life or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it is still in front of everybody, but he's not being like, sir. And I was uh, kind of hoping for that. I was hoping for a <laughs> gag like, I'm, I got to get you out of here. I'm going to save your life. And yeah. the guy'd be like, what? I want to be married. <laughs> Look, pal, I don't know what your marriage is like, but we're happy together. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I miss jokes like that. Yeah. No one does jokes like that anymore. I do. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's classic. (laughs) They're called classic jokes for a reason. I'm sure it never went out of style. If you made a movie where that was the kind of humor in it from top to bottom, would anyone go? No. (laughs) Me and my friends who would RSVP but not show up. Guys? Then I guess I may as well throw my next script in the trash. You're done in this town. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say the last line of the episode is, uh, so he's like, just come with me, please. And they're walking out and they're like right by the camera, but walking. He's like, you got an extra pair of pants? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> to the guy. Well, he, Gary Sinise says that to the guy? Yeah. Because he's like, you gotta, you know, like he wants to l- let him get back in there to get married. He's like, you got an extra pair of pants? Because like you're going to be losing these. Oh. You know? It was only the pants? I don't know. I, I guess he, 
I guess he's comfortable being shirtless. He bought a in mismatched suit. <laughs> he bought a dead. I've got a suit jacket. Yeah. But uh, where am I going to get pants? A, a dead man's pants. I know yeah. what to do. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I think it's just a good closing line. Well, I will f- say for sure in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, that story has a good ick factor of like, I'm wearing what a dead person wore. What a good. Yeah. That's a really great gross out. Yes, yeah. totally. There's somebody selling this stuff all over town, yeah. basically. It is really good. So this is a story from book two. It's called The Window. A creature with yellow-green eyes and a shrunken head comes through a girl's window, bites her neck, and leaves. The girl lives, and the police think it's the work of, quote, an escaped lunatic who they think uh, who thinks they're a vampire. A month later, the creature returns, but this time, the girl's brothers have something for it. A bullet. They chase it and shoot it in the leg, but it jumps over a graveyard wall and vanishes. The next day, the sextant of a church opens a burial vault where the girl recognizes the creature that bit her, and it has the bullet in its leg. They realize it's a real vampire, and they all build a fire to burn it to ash, the only way to kill a vampire. Of course. So, as we know, probably, a more common way to kill a vampire is driving a stake through its heart. But there are European stories that say you can burn it, but that this scary story just kind of skips a couple of steps. They would need to cut off its head first and then bury its remains at a crossroads. Oh, that's cool. To, like, cool. keep it dead. Yeah. So I hope these shortcuts work out for the people in the story, but it's not sounding good. Yeah. Um, there are also legends that say a normal person be- can become a vampire if they're buried with their mouth open or what if a cat jumps over a corse- wh- corpse while it's being buried. I like that. Which is awesome. And so there was evidence of this kind of belief in action that people found in Italy last October, October 2018, there was a child graveyard found in Italy from the 5th century, they think, that was the result of a malaria outbreak at that time. And one of the children's bodies, or skeletons by this point, obviously, they dug up had a stone in its mouth. Oh, wow. And the idea was that it was put there to prevent them from coming back as a vampire and spreading disease. Oh, God. They also found in this graveyard, it's a little bit off topic, but it was in the article, and it's interesting, they also found toad bones, raven talons, and cauldrons buried with the children, which is further evidence of some sort of like occult protection or witchcraft. Craft. Yeah, yeah. Really I interesting. Guess if you feel like you can control something, mm-hmm. you just do it. Yeah, why not? I wonder if that was the kind of thing that like the undertakers or like the police in town would do without right. notifying the family. Yeah, just... from a family's perspective, like our kid died, you want to put a stone in his mouth? Totally. You just leave him alone. That's a good point. What if you leave him alone instead? Mm-hmm. So what was if that? Don't? Yeah. Exactly. So was that like the kind of thing that like in the movie Sleepy Hollow, like Ichabod mm-hmm. would have done that with his big googly glasses? Maybe he's like. Yeah, better safe than sorry or whatever. And what they don't know won't hurt them. Um, One other thing. You mentioned that a good way to kill a vampire is to drive a stake through its heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this. A good way to kill an appetite is to put a stake in your mouth. (laughs) I do. I know that all too well. Is that a joke? Nope. (laughs) Okay, moving on. (laughs) So the last one I'm going to leave off with. Um, I, I don't have a lot of behind the scenes of before, but kind of just a cute anecdote. Okay. There's a story called The Hitchhiker in book three. A guy picks up a hitchhiker, they hit it off, and they go on a bunch of dates, with him always picking her up at the bus stop and dropping her off later. One day she isn't there, so he goes to the house that he drops her off at to check on her, and her mom invites him in and tells him that her daughter died 20 years ago. So there are a couple of, you know, things that are like, oh, this is a famous folklore story. But the one that I really gripped onto is that the note section that says one variation came from Barbara Carmer Schwartz. um, And it was a story from the 1940s in Del Mar, New York. And I looked it up and that was his wife. Yeah. So she must have told him that story at some point. I think it's just 
really sweet and it kind of speaks to the like casual, familial, like conversational way that folklore gets passed around. He references her a ton in these books mm-hmm. as uh, she wrote some of the the music to accompany things. Oh, cool. Like the Hearst song, which yeah. is very famously adapted in here. She wrote a lot of the music and he always refers to uh, her as like his wife and his colleague. Oh, that's really, really sweet. Like. Another thing, interesting thing that nobody will care about. Yep. Uh, except for maybe us. Alvin Schwartz um, did mm-hmm. a lot of his research at Princeton University. Yeah. Uh, Kristen uh, uh, works in Princeton. Mm-hmm. I used to work in Princeton. Um, and it references uh, him doing a lot of research at Rutgers in yeah. New Brunswick, which we could literally walk to totally. in 15 minutes from right here. Yeah, that was like definitely a treat to see. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Like, yeah. at, like these books were concocted in our world. Mm-hmm. Like they were in our area. For sure. Um, which I thought was very, very fun. She also wrote a book called How to Sew with Yarn. Oh really? That you can find on Amazon. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. She's like a creative gal. I really like the I, I like the the sort of like backstory of these books. I mm-hmm. like the the sort of meta information about how they were put together. Yeah. More so than the stories themselves. I do too. Yeah. So now, Will, let's move on to talking about the movie. I saw the movie with Allie mm-hmm. last Thursday. Um, I went in not knowing much about it yep i didn't know like the, the structure I whatsoever we talking about we didn't even know where it was in time no. you had told me that you thought maybe it was gonna be in the 50s and i was like no nah, i don't think so i just think that they want that girl to look like sabrina yeah the girl who had the spider in her cheek spider or whatever face. yeah yeah um uh, uh i ended up uh at a certain point in the movie maybe three quarters of the way in mm-hmm. thinking to myself how much longer can this possibly go on this was the longest movie that I've seen in a long time. Didn't you see The Avengers? That was three hours long. As far as feeling goes, I mean, I've seen a million movies that are longer than this. This is under two hours. Yeah. It was like 146 or something. It, yeah. it felt the longest that I was in a theater that I can remember in a long time. I'm not usually... Now, listen, some of uh, this is kind of tricky for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like to speak negatively. I don't either. We As, talked about this before we were going to record. I don't want to... Yeah, maybe we'll just, just keep this segment kind of on yes. the briefer side. Yes, definitely. Uh, but I don't like to speak negatively about stuff in general. Mm-hmm. Also, as somebody who writes mm-hmm. and produces All you know, that. scary stories to share with people and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, there's... There are a thousand things you could point to in my work to say they weren't scary or weren't of the utmost quality. I disagree. And so, uh, yeah, they're perfect. Sorry. I think they're pretty damn good. And so I say with a a healthy, a heap and helping of humility Mm -hmm. uh, that like I was kind of disappointed. There were a bunch of things that I uh, uh, was sort of let down by in the movie. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them had to do with the running time. Yeah. It takes like a half hour. For any of the scary stories to tell in the dark stuff to happen. Yeah. They do a lot of setup of characters and then try to get to the the like overall concept of where these things come from. Mm-hmm. And when they explain it, it's the same sort of tired premise yeah. as like the Goosebumps movie, which came out several years ago mm-hmm. and had way more stuff packed into it. Totally. And had way more fun. Oh, big time. Zippy, peppy, slappy. Yeah. I love the Goosebumps movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen wants to talk to Slappy. <laughs> I saw Kristen tweet online. She had not told me about this at all. I just happened to see it. I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw a tweet from at Chillin' Kristen that just said, I want to talk to hashtag Slappy. I was like, what kind of joke is this? Is it a joke? Like, I couldn't figure out what the hell it meant. So I think I just sent it to Kristen. I was like, hey, cool tweet. Yay. Turns out that there was some sort of a it was sweepstakes. Like a, yeah, it was like a contest or something. I barely remember it now. It was like, you know, tweet at hashtag Goosebumps movie and you'll get a phone call from Slappy or something. So I just chose to tweet, I want to talk to Slappy, hashtag Goosebumps movie. Cool. 
Yeah, I wish I could talk to Batman. Yeah. Like, what a boring thing to say. What a weird... I mean, it's actually kind of genius funny. Yeah. Like, it's pretty pretty damn funny, but I had no idea what that was. I want to talk to Slappy. Yeah. Goosebumps movie. You know what? I want to talk to Slappy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so, um, we're going to spoil it now. I think uh, mm-hmm. neither Kristen nor I recommend Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as a scary movie. I don't, but with a caveat... Maybe we have some sort of genetic deformity that's not allowing us to enjoy it because I'm seeing everybody else likes it. I'm seeing a lot of people like it. I am seeing some people criticize the length. I'm seeing a couple of things, but I would say by and large, because I cruised all my spooky Facebook groups to kind of take the temperature. It seems like everybody's liking it, and I'm really not looking to dump on someone's parade. I know, exactly. Yeah, neither (laughs) neither am I. Yeah. Oh, but it's, but you know it's I mean. accurate. Yes. Because um, that's exactly what we're doing. Right. Um, so I don't want to go too far into doing that. So uh, from me, personally, I would say I didn't enjoy it. But it seems like a lot of other people do. So I can't give you a definite no, don't do this. I think teenagers would like this. However. Maybe. However. Kids might like it. I think there are a few weird things that happen in this movie that uh, are, are too heavy for teenagers. William, I totally agree. I was like, this is a hard PG-13. What is what is going on? This was, this felt like an R to me. It felt like a soft R. There is, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I was sh- shocked. Yes, I was too. By some of the things happening in this movie. <laughs> yes. The, the racist characters? Yes. What are you doing? I don't know. What are are you doing i don't know i wonder if they wanted to include like a diverse cast which i'm obviously behind but that they were like well realistically in the 1950s or whatever this might happen so it was more responsible to show something like that but it was hardcore it was rough it was very rough and constant Yes, like every almost every time that Ramon has to interact with somebody who isn't the three friends, they're saying something horrendously racist to him. Yeah. It's crazy. In a way that like I'm I understand that they want to paint all of the main characters as some sort of a social reject. Mm-hmm. I'm unconvinced that it was necessary to get that hard I and realistic. I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I think you can acknowledge that without necessarily going that hard. Yeah, this is a movie adaptation of The Worms right. Crawling. This is a movie version of that. That's Why did thing. you get that heavy with it? That's the thing. I obviously think that there's a place for that because that is a big part of real life. But maybe not in scary stories to tell in the yeah, dark. Yeah, why are you bumming me out? Yes. Show me the kid eating the toe. That's the right side of too adult and gross. Yes, I agree. Why didn't that kid heat up the stew? <laughs> Who eats a cold stew out of the fridge? Spoilers. That was spoilers. deranged. Yes, it was deranged. That it was, was deranged behavior. And when your friend calls you on your walkie-talkie and <laughs> says, don't eat, like, just, I don't what know. What do you mean, eat. don't eat? I'll go with a big fat toe that you have to, like, wrap your whole mouth around? Hedge your bets just a little bit. Like, you could say, like, what are you talking about? And eat a little bit later. But wouldn't you drop your spoon, maybe, yeah. in that moment? Be like, why? Wouldn't you chew your sausage? Yeah. Wouldn't you take a bite and not put yes. half a sausage in your mouth? I would I would also venture to say that I would be weirded out when my mom said she didn't make that stew and yes. I know that I didn't make it. Absolutely. And you don't think that Jeff, her boyfriend, made it, who you don't want to call dad. Yeah. I'd be like, I, I, this is weird. Don't eat stew that no one made. And heat it up for God's sake. Heat up the damn stew. Who eats stew cold out of the giant pot? Anyway. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So the premise of the movie, mm-hmm. there's a haunted house. You go in it. Sarah Bellows had been locked in the basement. They keep describing her as having been albino and really, really pale. Yes. Which I thought was setting her up to be mm-hmm. that big. That lady. 
Oh, no, the yeah, yeah, fat yeah. lady ghost yeah. thing that's like on all the posters, mm-hmm. the famous artwork. Mm-hmm. No, different thing. So what? she's just her own horror mechanism. Yeah. She wrote a book. She used to tell people scary stories. The stories come true. Right. Also, you know, the premise of Goosebumps, mm-hmm. as we described already, that mm-hmm. these all come from a book. I don't yeah. feel like that was worth doing if you're it just makes you look like an also ran and i also just think that her story is tired like somebody who seems like a bad guy but it turns out that they were actually being held down and you can release everybody from this by telling their story or vindicating them in some way yeah i was like yeah i got it yeah i I couldn't agree more Mm -hmm. yeah 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 we've seen it a thousand a million billion times and there are some things that you see a million times but still feel fresh in some way or are cozy enough that you like seeing different iterations of them right this isn't that no it didn't feel that way to me yeah um and then so yeah we get through all of our main characters we get to see them have to be the main character of one of the scary stories from this book takes about a half hour to get to this point Mm -hmm. and we've got augie Mm -hmm. is now going to be the person that the ghost wants you know Where's my toe? It's going Who was after doing him. crazy Joe Duvall cosplay? Did you notice that? I did notice that. Yeah, he was dressed <laughs> like Pavo or whatever. P2. Pagliacci. Pagliacci. P2 is the alien. P2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a sad clown yep. on Halloween. But so, yeah, he eats the stew. Mm-hmm. He gobbles the toe. Right. Doesn't eat it, by the way. No, he, he pulls spits it back it out. out. I know. So she could totally plop it back on. Give that but he doesn't want to because it has tomato sauce on it or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. You've gotten <laughs> soup on my toe. <laughs> um, who puts soup on my toe? <laughs> but uh, I think it was we- a couple things were weird. One, I don't like that they took one ghost from a different famous story and just made it be the ghost in this story. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like that, but okay. And let's get into the monster design a little bit. Yes. I thought it was both cool and lacking. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I liked it. I was like, I understand that this is a technical feat. Yes. I get it. It is this wonderful. Is it's a practical looking. effect. I watched a bunch of behind yes, the scenes stuff too. of how they made the creatures. Yes. Very, very impressive. Yes. Then they put CGI all over the faces, mm-hmm. which tricks your mind into thinking the whole thing is CG. Right. I think. Yes. I completely um, agree. I would rather that they leave everything practical yeah. and kind of like be downgrade the environment in some way that it all matches. That yes. like we're not this doesn't have to be a special effects spectacular in right. any way. This Agreed. can just be kind of like a cool, fun, lower key sort of thing. But I, I know it's been a complaint that we've had about other things. Just like take down CGI a notch, yeah. make it lower key because it's oh the cat's trailer is what I'm thinking of. Oh the cat's trailer. Just put costumes on people sure. and that makes it fun and all the prosthetics that you can see in the behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. that's on like Facebook. Yes. Is really amazing I in and of itself. Totally think so. Um that jangly man was scary. I thought that was pretty freaky. I kind of thought the jangly man was a stinker. The upside down face. Sneaky little stinker. Was freaky to me. It was, but it didn't come from the art. You know what no, I mean? No, but it was a new thing, but I found that unsettling. I've I was seen, like, this is a cool monster. I've if seen, you take that out of the context of a movie that I'm not enjoying, I was like, this is a cool, freaky thing. I agree with that. Out of the context of this movie, yeah. it's kind of interesting. In this movie, I don't think it makes sense. Somebody online, I don't remember who, I think it was just part of a comment section somewhere, said that this movie feels as if they had a stock mm-hmm. scary script and then realize, oh, we could retrofit it with an existing intellectual property. Could be. because, And the jangly man feels like a big fat culprit to suggest that that's exactly what happened because they only adapt the big toe mm-hmm. herald the red spot with the spiders yeah it was a surprising thing um, um um the whatever is with the pale lady the pale lady thing mm-hmm. and then the the jangly man is sort of it's a combination new. of a few kind stories of. a lot of stories in these books uh, uh involve body parts falling down a chimney mm-hmm. 
one story is about uh, Aaron Kelly's bones, it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, a skeleton pulls itself together from all its body parts and dances around. Yeah. The jangly man in this story pulls itself together from a bunch of body parts that dump out of a chimney. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, me tie doty walker. Yes. Which is from the book as well. Yes. And he talks to a dog. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make the dog talk. Talk back and say, like, me surfatrapal. Yeah, but they did have the dog go like, there's a little Scooby-Doo-ish, like, yeah. Uh, so it kind of nodded to it. But anyway, the jangly man pulls himself all together. All these things, all these monsters that we see are ostensibly from the book that Sarah Bellows is writing. Right. She writes the big toe and it comes together. Mm-hmm. When she makes me tie Doty Walker, the jangly man come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramon goes, oh my God. I know. He goes, the jangly man. Okay. This is a story that we used to tell around the campfire. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then it's not from Cerebello's book. Mm-hmm. What is it doing in the movie? Yes. Here's another slight thing like that. They have the voice. So the girl in it is kind of like the narrator every once in a while. It's very sparingly. It might just be in the beginning and the end. They do that sparingly and I enjoy it whenever they do it. Or they'll be like, he ran down the hall and you see it happening. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. But in the very beginning of the movie, and it ends up being a little bit more okay than I thought, I thought her voice sounded like a little, little kid talking. And so it was like a little kid being like, it happened in the last year of our adulthood. And I was like, you haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Which I still think is kind of true. It's weird to be having the child narrating it happened in the first in the last year of our adulthood. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. like it hasn't even happened to her really yet. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Not the biggest deal. I guess I could just be her voice I immediately her. after. I thought I thought I she too. was one of the big uh, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. uh uh not to be um I feel like this is kind of an arrogant thing to say. Mm-hmm. Conceited thing to say. Okay. Watching this movie gave me very strong Blackwood vibes. Um hmm. primarily three kids that are doing yeah. some form of investigation, traveling around their weird little small town. And uh, it all sort of yeah. surrounds an old paper mill. <laughs> I was like, "It's true." Like you know, small. Well, things. I don't think it's being that conceited because we're dumping on it. And so. the main character really uh, m- made me think of Molly Weaver. Yes, I could that see I that. I wasn't thinking that, but I could totally see that. I did really like that girl. Yeah, I, I thought like she could I go she on great. and like do some stuff. You know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I thought she was awesome. But so yeah, me Tai Doty Walker. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's from I love a, that a, phrase. So do I. It's it, great. I think it might be. Uh, uh, it feels very Irish. Yes. Like I can't not say it without doing a me bad Irish. Me Doty Walker. Me Tai Doty Walker. Do it like better. it feels really concerning. I don't know what it means. It's gibberish. Yes. Uh, and Ramon saying that it's from a story that he used to tell as a kid mm-hmm. defeats the point. Right. Mm. Sarah Bellows isn't writing that right now then. I did like when I guess Ramon is driving the car. I can't remember who's driving the car, but that he smashes in. So the jangly man is like climbing all over the car that he's driving and kind of trying to get in, but also maybe just like effing with him because I was like, why don't you just keep punching in the same spot? He would like punch the windshield once and then go to another window and punch it. And I was like, you just keep punching that windshield. You're going to break through, but whatever. And Ramon ends up pinning the jangly man between the car and a truck or something. I did like the jangly man detached himself. Yes. That gave me a little like, whoo. Yes. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was all cool. And it was an appropriate way to ramp up the tension in the final moments to have a mm-hmm. big, scary thing you got to run from. Yes. I'm not sure that there's anything else like that in the books that they could have pointed to, which is probably why they had to make up their own thing. Yeah, I think that's true. But it still just felt to me the entire time like, well... But this was never the movie that I would have assumed they would make out of this mm-hmm. book. I would have assumed they would have made like a series of stories like Creep Show. Yes. That's like what we're talking about. Like, like vignettes or something like that. I think that could have been really, really cool. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 the spider thing. Did that gross you out at all? I didn't even look. Oh, really? Yeah. Kristen saw it alone. Yes, I did. What was your experience like seeing it alone? Did you get scared at all? 
Um, I'm trying to think. I think that I did jump with something with the jangly man. Or I th- well, I was I thought he was really cool and gross. I was like, Ugh. when the jangly man is pinned between the car and the bus, and he mm-hmm. falls apart to put himself back together. Yeah. When he puts himself back together, he pops up in the foreground of the shot. Uh huh. So like right in front of the camera to go like, yeah, maybe that gave me like a little. I knew there was something with the jangly man that gave me a little like. I was like the jangly man was very loud. I was like pipe down. He kept screaming, but um. The spider thing I didn't even really look at. I knew it was coming. I thought it was so gross. I can't watch any sort of like skin stuff. I don't like body horror anyway. And then like particularly like skin stuff like boils, yeah. Dr. Pimple Popper MD or whatever. I, I cannot deal with any of that. I thought it was so. So I was looking at my uh, cherry Coke. I thought it was so <laughs> weird. Like I understand like at one point when they find her after the spiders pop out of her face. Mm hmm. They're all a bunch of baby spiders, and there were like thousands and thousands of baby yeah. spiders crawling all over the place. Mm-hmm. But like, there was nothing heightened about it. Like, I really feel like there should mm-hmm. have been a few that were like big and hairy. Like they, even though it doesn't make logical sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the give them the something vibe. to fight off or something. No, I don't even think fight it. Not, but just like for the something gross to. Out. Yeah. Like I think that these books are supposed to be heightened reality. Yeah. And they end up making a story where there's just like a really a, a bunch of like. Things that are kind of bummers mm-hmm. and that weigh you down into reality. Yes. And it drip feeds into the horror itself because like yes. a thousand tiny spiders is kind of gross, but like you can imagine like sweeping all those spiders out of your way real fast. But I guess you could also argue that because it seems real, you can put yourself in that place and imagine it. You know, I, I think guess. there's probably an argument for that. But you're right. Another, like, you're right. There are a bunch of bummers besides like the racism stuff that her mother left her yeah. and everything. That's, you know, sad and interesting, but just kind of like, why is that in here? Yeah, and her dad, Hank from Breaking yes. Bad, is all depressed. Right. And just wants her to call. Right. Like, there's just like a bunch of real bummery yes. stuff. It's not like, I think this should be like kind of heightened and kind of, kind of silly. I think kind of, yeah, silly and fun. Yeah. To kind of even out like awesome looking creatures yeah. and make it enjoyable. There was a moment where I had a big smile on my face. Mm-hmm. It was during uh, Where's My Toe mm-hmm. um, when Augie has run down the hall and you hear the ghost, which by the way, these aren't ghosts. Yeah. These are things from a book. Yeah. Which kind of diminishes it. Do they call them ghosts or something? No, but you know, like for the purposes of like, Mm -hmm. you understand from the context of this that 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 would have been a monster of, or like a dead person, I guess a zombie in this case, Mm -hmm. that was buried and in this book, the kid pulls its toe off. Right. And then they cut it into three pieces and eat it. Yeah. And then that thing comes out of the dirt. The dad calls it like nice and plump or yeah, something. I know. Yeah. The 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 dead person must brush all the dirt off itself and come out and be have scrambled miles, have walked miles to get to the house. Where's my toe? Mm-hmm. But in the context of the movie, it's something made out of like imagination yeah right 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 you know like yes it changes the context of the thing it's not a monster it's an imagined thing so it 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 removes a tangibility Mm -hmm. from it they're they're all rubbery imagination things yeah but so anyway uh the thing that really made me smile and and put me into that like mindset that i wish i'd had the entire movie augie hides under the bed Mm -hmm. and we hear we hear the ghost walking down the hall and now that part was good we play into the the where this character design came from from the books mm-hmm. that that character design was from the haunted house where the priest is yeah. trying to cleanse it and he hears footsteps coming up the stairs mm-hmm. so now we're hearing the sounds of this ghost but we can't see it right 
Augie's like looking around. He decides it must be on that side of the bed. So he turns and looks. It's not there. Mm-hmm. He decides it's going to be at the front of the bed. He turns. Yeah, it's I was not scared there. at this part. They stretch the tension mm-hmm. far longer. They they go from it being like you would expect based on being trained by watching thousands of scary movies. Mm-hmm. You're gonna wait. You're gonna wait. Jump scare. Yeah, doesn't happen. You're gonna wait. 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 Mm-hmm. He's gonna check the top of the bed. You're gonna wait. You wait for so I long. I thought she was gonna be on the top of the bed somehow, so they, which I thought was cool and unique. I was like, yes. I was starting a, to get like close my eyes a little bit. They did an amazing job of creating a really tense yes, vibe where you're a good going part. like, Augie's right. She's probably on top of the bed. Oh, she's probably over there. And then it goes on for so long, it became comedy to me. Yeah. All right. Well, when's it gonna happen? It's uh-huh. gonna happen. But like now they're like prodding me. Right. And then when it finally happens. The ghost just goes, bah, mm-hmm. and drags him away. Yeah. She doesn't go, you have it. Right. She didn't go, you have it. How weird is, so I went from smiling of like, oh, they're playing with me. They know exactly how far to push me to then going, well, that's not how it ends. That is so strange. That's not how it ends. Yeah. Very weird. That didn't even occur to me, but that is a really weird choice. I, I, I started to turn against the movie. Uh-huh. Next time I turn against the movie, maybe I have this chronologically wrong, but the other thing that made me turn against the movie is Harold. Mm-hmm. Um, Harold is a scarecrow. Yeah. The bully uh, punches him and calls him stupid Harold. This bully. Dripping with sweat. Um, yes. <laughs> Disgusting. I He reminded me of, I can't remember what his name is, but the scary bully from It. Yeah. I think they were going for like some It vibes a little bit. Yeah, Somebody yeah. who's just like... You are a true danger. Yes. As this person grows up, we should be very scared of this You're person. You're a monster. Yes. Irredeemable. There Irredeemable. Is nothing this good this about guy you. was bad news. Yeah. So Harold it made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I was like, this is free. like the same thing. Like him being like horrible and racist to Ramon and everything. I was yeah. like, this is making me ugly it just in makes the same me feel way. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So Harold, you know, comes alive and chases him in the cornfield. Mm-hmm. They stretch it. I didn't think it was scary. Mm-hmm. The thing that made me turn against the and movie. And it was the first big scare thing, too. So I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, the thing that made me turn against the movie a little bit is that uh, as he confronts Harold, mm-hmm. Harold stabs him through the chest with a pitchfork. Yeah. And I was like... I know. I was like, what kind of movie is this going to be? What the... What's happening right Yes. Now? Not in a way where I'm like, oh, this is darker than I... But in, more like... No. This doesn't fit... Right, I was this like, "What's the scenario? The are these guys going to be murdering the like the the scary creature guys are going to be like real world murdering these kids right. or something?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, granted, the yes. the source material has Harold drying out bloody skin on a roof. Sure, so and maybe I that's how he got that. that skin. But I think stabbing him through the chest with a pitchfork. In the book, they remove you from it and make you go, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They stun you with it. Yeah. In the in the movie, it just felt sort of like obvious and cheap. Yeah. And then the bully turns into a scarecrow and starts puking hay. Right. right. It was really gross. Mouth. It was gross, but left me with more like questions than anything. It <laughs> yeah. just kind of had me going like, what? Yeah. I did like later in the movie when the kids are in the cornfield and they see a scarecrow that's dressed like the bully. Yeah, but I didn't understand that because it had the face of Harold. It so had does Harold's that just, exact face. Does that just mean that Harold picked up the kid's jacket because he liked it? Or did the or, or did is that Har- the bully? And his face morphed into Harold's exact face? They could only make one face. I don't know. It didn't... I didn't get that. I was like, what the hell's happening? Lucy goosey That's Lucy the thing. Goosey. Like, they went for... I think they were shooting for mm-hmm. uh, mimic the monsters from the book. Yeah. Fill in this script that was has been sitting on a shelf for five years. Maybe. Um, and uh, uh, quite frankly... 
I think the Stephen Gamble art style mm-hmm. maybe just can't be translated properly. I, I think it into can't be. Speak. I really do think it's cool. I think it was translated faithfully close to yes, yeah. definitely faithfully close to as good as it could have been. Again, I prefer us taking away a little bit of CGI stuff. Yeah, but like they did look super super cool. I think that if the story and the movie. If everything else was different, maybe I would like it. There's an intangibility to the Stephen Gamble stuff. Yes. Like you pointed out, it'll sometimes fade mm-hmm. from a deep black to just the white of the page. They even said that during one of those behind the scenes featurettes about how they made the monsters that like with the pale lady, her body kind of just stops. Yeah, yeah. So they sort of had to make up what was going on. Right. Yeah. You know, I almost think these should have been like intangible. I think they should have been pale, mm-hmm. black and white. Yeah. Floating phantasm things. Filmed as if they were underwater so that the, mm. the hair of the, the monsters and I mean, stuff that would rule. could be flowing like string. It's a string great idea. Because there is a of lot of artwork, movement in the book. Yes. Yeah. It's all disgusting like strings that float off at impossible mm-hmm. angles. Um, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the way that they would film the ghosts and stuff mm-hmm. so they would have like flowing yeah, yeah, yeah. capes and stuff is they would actually dangle stuff underwater right. and then just remove the background. Yep. Desaturate. Mm-hmm. Make it black and white. Do that water effect thing so the hair can float and stuff, and then bam, you've got a, an odd shape shifting, intangible yeah. thing that I think would more closely suit the artwork. Because having that actually again, that it would kind of be like a scary version of the ghosts of Christmas Present. I think it is from no, no, no past from the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, kind <laughs> of that, yes, that the floating... girl, that floating girl, and her hair is moving and everything. It's all kind of pretty and angelic and yeah. fluid in that. If you took that and made it scary, that would rule. It's unsettling. Mm-hmm. Things don't move that way outside of right. water. So if you said that's the context of it is mm-hmm. this is a thing that you're seeing in your house. Yeah. It's going to be unsettling and weird. Right. And Again, it ethereal. just creates that cognitive dissonance. Yeah. The same way that Harold being like bulbous yep. as a scarecrow, just without even being super obvious, you're just like something's your brain without even maybe being over about it. It's like something's wrong here. Something's yes. off kilter. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The the big toe monster, its mm-hmm. hair was stringy and plastered to its head. Mm-hmm. It did not lift off at all mm-hmm. like the artwork. Harold's body is cut out in the movie. I know. He doesn't I, have a tummy. In yeah. the book, he has a big fat stomach. Right, right. In the movie, they cut it out so you can see the stick that he's attached to, mm-hmm. which I guess is kind of cool. It's kind of cool, honestly. But yeah. it's just, it's probably like the one not faithful choice. It's just weird to do it mm-hmm. and not go all the way. Yeah. Because well, that seems to be the central the point. Um, okay, I just think like, uh, well, the big lady, mm-hmm. which I thought was one of the weaker moments and I'm seeing people praise um, the funny kid is is yeah. being chased impossibly multiple hallways that all converge to a single point mm-hmm. and the pale lady is at all of them she's always getting closer and closer mm-hmm. and her eyes blink in a CGI yeah. way that just makes it look like a CG I wish they were Star like Wars Muppets. character I wish yeah sure basically yeah scary cool. Muppets yeah mm-hmm. um, and it had that kind of vibe a more playful vibe yeah because the book obviously has a playful vibe right I think they uh, they found a way. And I saw one of the featurettes, they're like, we would line the art up on the thing we made to see that it matched yeah, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, 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 really cool. Yes. But I think doing a, an exact one-to-one mm-hmm. can sometimes be limiting as well. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, an unspoken vibe, an energy that exists in this right. artwork that so I don't think was... So it's going to be so lacking then. Yes. I don't think it was as well captured as literally... This is the shape of the eye socket. Yeah. That's cool, and you should do that. Totally. But it's, I also think... It really is super cool. How do you feel when you read the book? Yes. Is not how I felt watching the movie yes. about any of these creatures. They felt less worrisome, because mm-hmm. I knew that they were made up by something that somebody wrote in a book, mm-hmm. rather than 
something that came out of the graveyard. Well, they still seem to have a lot. I don't think I found them less worrisome for that. Mm. They still seem like they could do some real damage. I just knew that no they were where going they to from. satisfy Cerebellas at some point, and they would fade away. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that movie's going to end, you know? Well, the but movie's going to end. surprised by. Read a book, and, and, it's, and it pulls the ghost out of the ground. Yeah. Like, read a book. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a different way to, to satisfy it than be like, oh, we just need to put an eraser on the page. Right. Let's start to wrap it up. Yes. And let's talk about the ending. I was surprised that Augie and Funny Kid didn't come back. I was very surprised by that. I totally thought that when we zoom into the future, however long it was, that they were going to be back because when she told Sarah Bellas a story, what she the damage had would be undone. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So I guess they are setting up the sequel for them to find out what ha- the classic team of her Hank and the Spider Girl yeah. are going to find out what happened to Augie and Funny Kid. I guess so. I mean, that's what they say. Totally. That, that's done in voiceover, and mm-hmm. it really made me wonder if there was like a producer or something that's like, what do you mean you didn't film the kids coming back to life? <laughs> you have to say they're going to come back to life. <laughs> that could tell me. I was really surprised. I, was that. surprised. I kept waiting for them to show up, and I was like, oh. I was surprised Ramon but went I, to war. I was very surprised. Yeah, I was really surprised by the draft dodger subplot yeah richard nixon yeah is it's, a big it's all part of this, this movie thing. this is a weird movie there's some intrusive things that intrusive is movie. a good word yeah very intrusive what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing give me a ghost in 15 minutes yes let's have a get cold there. open to the movie where, where a ghost gets someone absolutely and then the kids have to unravel what the hell happened to that person yeah snap it up uh, yeah i was really surprised but i also i kind of enjoyed in a way that they left it as being like it was so overt like this is what's gonna happen in the sequel in a way that i don't think always i don't see that in movies a lot i don't feel like like you'll be like how are they gonna top this last avengers with the next one like what's right. gonna happen it was so overt. like well i guess we're gonna go have to find them and i was like huh i, I kind of enjoy the clean cutness of that like there's going to be a sequel if you guys want it and here's what will happen in it i kind of like that it felt like the first of a series you know what i mean yeah i guess how are they going to do a sequel to this though they'll, they'll figure it out sarah bellows was the source of all of this and her soul has been appeased they'll figure it out they piss off her soul again or something <laughs> i'm mad again <laughs> at a certain point in the movie the all of a sudden the point of it was for the the main character mm-hmm. to r- tell the truth of what happened to sarah bellows that she was wronged right she was like held captive by her brother who yeah poisoned, they had, like poisoned, poisoned yeah. people and sarah bellows was the only one who knew the true story whatever mm-hmm. so they're like you have to tell her the truth and then she goes i know what happened to you yeah, you didn't poison them. Other people did. And I'm like, she, the ghost knows this. Yeah, I know. She knows this. I know. It'd be kind of funny. I don't even know how this would work. I'm just thinking of it right now. If people thought that Sarah Bellows was releasing ghosts, like if it somehow, I'm totally spitballing. I don't even know how this works. Some sort of known thing or, or ghosts are killing people. And it turns out that it's hallucinations from the water being tainted. Right. So this town is being menaced by these creatures. and They're blaming Sarah, but it's actually brother. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not looking to get that made. I'm just saying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. A but, thought. But what stories are they going to do? The Viper? I don't know. <laughs> I want to wash and wipe your windows. <laughs> <laughs> I might like that. There are a bunch I of uh, that. funny, scary stories in here. Yeah. That are pretty enjoyable. Yeah, they're fun. There's a toe one, a mm. version of the big toe where they just go like, all right, here's your damn toe. Yeah, it's like, like a remix. Yeah. yeah that's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. All right, guys. Oh, that's a wrap. Uh, well, that's uh, it. I'm sorry to everybody who has unsubscribed from this show. Yeah. Because uh, Kristen and William don't particularly like scary stories to tell in the dark. I love I the artwork. I 
lot. It's great artwork. Artwork is wonderful. Dynamite. Very charming. Absolutely. I think it's funny that the cover is some sort of like weird like bat cat. Yeah, I know. With like, yeah. a, with like a cute tummy. There's, a cute but scary tummy. Even when the stories are lacking, I usually like the art that's associated. Totally. With uh, there's a, They're a, fun to flip through and look at the art yeah there's a piece of artwork in and here again, it's not for me i'm a grown-ass woman I know, I know. so i can't really well it's our fault for deciding to do this though i know but i'm just saying like if, if you know it's not that surprising that i was like oh i didn't love reading sure. scary stories that tell in the dark yeah exactly I'm like 80 years old there's a, a piece of artwork in here of several chairs that are lined up side by mm-hmm. side that yeah. are just empty which is kind of cool yes and then at a certain point in the movie somebody walks past that image recreated in film ah. and i was like oh have i been missing are, is there like are there I recreations of Steve, cool. Stephen Gamble art in the background of stuff? That would be I pretty wonder. Cool. It's not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're gonna call it quits. Yeah. So until next time, guys, you can find us on social media. We're at GTTU Pod everywhere. You can also go to patreon.com slash GTTU Pod if you would like to support the show. You can just throw us whatever amount of money you would like as just kind of a tip and a thank you for us putting out free stuff every week. You can also find our secret Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU Pod. And you can follow us individually on social media. I am at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. I am at The Myth Traveler. Um, I would also uh, request the people out there, go subscribe to Dearly Departed Pop mm-hmm. on yep. all major podcast apps right this second. That's right. You can hear Kristen talk about the show Harper's Island, mm-hmm. an old slasher whodunit yes. type of show. It's a canceled show from CBS that was super fun and super yep. fun to talk about. Now on your podcast apps. That's go right. subscribe and review. It's there. Also, go check out The Long Let's Hallway. Say that. Mm-hmm. When this episode drops on Friday, season one will be done. Oh. Mm-hmm. The finale will cool. have released yesterday. Yeah. We'll be back for season two just you wait and see be back Uh, but yeah it's an awesome show of like short micro stories so they're all under like seven minutes long mm -hmm. right they're really really good they're really satisfying because you get the entire thing all in that period so like you could put that on and like brush your teeth and get ready for work and be done and have heard a cool complete story and it's really awesome absolutely one of the the final episodes that came out this week is called the lighthouse Mm -hmm. it's a story that i wrote uh, that I uh, really kind of enjoy, even though I'm yeah. not even sure uh, that I fully uh, know where it all came from. I just kind of threw a bunch cool. of imagery together that I like in spooky stuff. I love the picture that you drew and put up today. Oh, thank the you. little sketch. I really, really like it. I want you to do that for I'm, more. I might if do you're that again. To. I might. Do I loved that again. it. I love that it was like different than just taking a screenshot of the thing. Although that's good too because it's recognizable for people. I know. But it was like it's fun. It can I just be it. so boring to just share. Yes podcast artwork totally so i decided to, to draw a little thing it's a little doodly do you can find on uh at the myth traveler but yeah check it out you get to hear me uh scream for help yes at the beginning of it yeah um, it made me a little sad really yeah there's also something that no one will notice <laughs> mm-hmm. uh uh but i think is really really fascinating mm-hmm. so our editor is a really talented guy named brian chilcote he's mm-hmm. edited this first entire season and uh, my character has shipwrecked. Yeah. And so I'm, as a performer, I'm doing a lot of like, I, I was st- stuck out there. Like, I'm doing a lot of like shivering really, really cold. Moments where I'm not talking, where the other character is talking, you hear coughing. Oh. I was listening to the latest cut That's to cool. like give notes on it. And I was like, did I record myself? Co-? Like, sometimes I will do sound effects. Like, I'll just be like, oof. And yeah. be like, use this however you want. Yeah. So I was like, when did I do coughing at all? And then at a certain point, it's like, <coughs> where are we? And I'm like, how did I? Do- Wait a minute, that didn't I sound didn't entirely. Do that. It was yeah. Brian coughing, and That's he worked cool. it in to make it sound like it was my character. He did an incredible. No one's gonna notice, yeah, unless you know my voice perfectly, right? It was 
awesome. That's very cool. And the show, there's so many little touches in it that you would not even pick up on consciously, yeah. but unconsciously they fill in bits and pieces of reality. I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. All right, everybody. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We will see you next week when we will be Mm -hmm. back to tell you more scary stuff that we have learned out in the world. That's right. But until the time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworlds go we. Bye. Bye.